0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Sitting Down with Dr. Dan, a premium episode. We love offering our subscribers episodes once a month with the special bonus content. And we love answering your questions, getting to know you and talking about what's relevant, what's happening now in today's world. Today, we are joined once again by our favorite podcast producer, Laura Rossi, for an all-new episode. Laura and I read and select your questions every month, so please keep sending them to us, DMing on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or email us at podcast at drdanpeters.com. And here we go. Hey, Laura. Hey,
1: Dan. Great to see you again. Um, We have... Terrific questions uh, this week and, of course, some current events that we'll talk about
0: mm-hmm. at the end of the
1: episode. Um, I also want to thank all of our listeners in our terrific community for continuing to send us incredible inquiries, questions. And just, you know, like help, calls for help. So mm-hmm. the first question came in, it actually came in yesterday and I put it right at the top of our question list because I, I just felt the energy from this parent of uh, feeling overwhelmed and just needing kind of a 101, on one which everyone will get when I read the questions. So what came in as a series of questions unedited here are this, Dr. Dan, my child needs a diagnosis. Where to start? What is the cost for evaluation and diagnosis? Is school interviewed for the evaluation? And once you have a diagnosis, now what? Get the school involved, ask the school for accommodations, switch schools, homeschooling, help. And you know, I've been there and I'm yep. continuing to, you know, navigate this with a young adult. Um it's really overwhelming and I'm sure you can yes give some some advice and just comfort to this Confused parent.
0: Yeah, I can uh, share the uh, experience personally and of course, professionally as well. So it is a very multifaceted uh, question because there are many ways to do this. So first off, a good place to start always is with your pediatrician or family practitioner. Because when we talk about diagnoses, there's several types of diagnoses. We can have a learning diagnosis, we can have a developmental diagnosis, as we call them, like an ADHD or autism spectrum disorder. Um, there are the emotional challenges like anxiety, depression, obsessive-compulsive disorder. And then there are other processing issues, auditory processing, visual processing best place to start is with a medical practitioner. They are often, especially these days, the easiest to get access to just because everyone is so inundated due to the pandemic. And that is the low cost way through your insurance to get that baseline, to get some professional feedback of um, what might be going on. You can get a diagnosis for Everything I just said, with the exception of learning disabilities from a pediatrician, a behavioral pediatrician, a developmental pediatrician, or a family practitioner. Um, So start there, and it's the most cost-effective. Often, we need to dig a little deeper. And if you're looking at autism spectrum, you're looking at ADHD, and it might seem more complicated, then you can go the route of developmental pediatrician or behavioral pediatrician. And those folks have more specialized training in these developmental issues. And they also can do some of their own testing as well. Then when we move on, there are psychologists, neuropsychologists. And when you go to a psychologist or neuropsychologist, um, you can get a diagnosis from a psychologist, depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, even ADHD without testing. However, we, when we're getting to more complexity with processing issues, with social processing issues, um, with learning issues, you generally need diagnostic testing, which is often done by psychologists and neuropsychologists that's when it gets more expensive. Um, That's when these evaluations cost in the thousands of dollars. They're very time consuming. Um, It's a huge commitment. Insurance can cover part of it um, for people who um, have particular insurances. However, it is costly. This does give us a lot of information about a child's levels of functioning across all domains. So you get intellectual and cognitive abilities, you get memory, you get their auditory processing, how they visually process uh, attention, executive functioning, um, and then reading, writing, and math, looking at any learning issues, along with behavior and emotions. And so it's huge, right? It's all, enc- yeah, it's it's all, all encompassing. It's all encompassing. And I'm going to, I know I'm, I'm on a rant here. I'm going to say one more thing about school. And then Laura, you can chime in with all of your experiences with this as well. Is what are schools for? Well, schools are mandated, public schools are mandated to provide an evaluation when there is a observable concern with your child's emotion, behavior, or learning. And then that is on the cost of the school to provide what is generally called a psychoeducational evaluation, which is generally one step below a neuropsychological evaluation, which I was just referring to. And it looks into all these areas to see if a child can qualify for services and accommodation and to see what ballpark, as we say, your child's challenges are in. If Mm -hmm. you are a homeschooler or a private schooler, your home public district is still responsible for you. And even though there can be more pushback in them providing services to you because you don't go to one of their public schools, they still are legally responsible. And that is another way to get no-cost evaluation.
1: That was a great summary. I think you covered it all. And if I were a parent encountering this for the first time, I would feel really... Um, confident that, okay, you know, there's going to be multiple steps to this. I'm going to navigate it sort of based on the professionals telling me what to do. Um, and, you know, the only thing I really would add, Dr. Dan, is that um, as the parent, it's, it's not exactly your responsibility to figure out the school piece, you know, so you're dealing with medical professionals. If you're at a public school, like you mentioned, there's requirements by law, depending on you know sort of what you're learning through the the medical professionals and and even some of the educators you're working with. The private schools it's a little bit different, but you don't have to go all in armed with knowledge and have this all figured out. Sort of mm-hmm. trust that first step of going to your pediatrician and exploring um, you know what they're going to tell you as your doctor, and then mm-hmm. it starts to make sense as you're in the process. I guess that's the thing that I you know I feel like I could have written this email. When my twins were in elementary school and we had to deal with getting a diagnosis, figuring out what was going on, I too thought I have to be the person that's dictating what the school's doing, that's coming up with the education plan. But as you mentioned, you realize that depending on the diagnosis and what you find out medically and with other professionals you know, you may be sort of handed information such as your child needs an IEP and an Mm -hmm. IEP individualized education program essentially talks about all of these modifications and accommodations that your child would need. You will work in a collaborative way on a team and be in those meetings. So you don't need to walk in as a mom or dad, And say, oh, these are the accommodations my child needs. You know, that's all going to sort of unfold and you'll be learning as you go along. But it Mm -hmm. seems really overwhelming and it feels like in the beginning it lands in the lap of the parents. And it's like learning a foreign language.
0: Yes. And we would be – remit. and again, I went through this as a parent as well, even though being in this Mm -hmm. profession, I can tell you – um, being an expert on one side, you still feel like a novice and overwhelmed on the other side when you're starting out in this process with your kids. Um, so I would be remiss if we didn't mention that schools don't always see things the way you do. And for particularly, so so bright kids can often still perform above the minimum threshold for schools to determine there to be a problem. Um, the other thing that can happen is A child's emotional challenges might not be seen to be getting in the way of their academics. And so just know it's a process and don't give up. And if you hit a roadblock, let's say at the school, go to an outside person to get some outside, um, a letter, a diagnosis, um, something else that you can bring back to the school. And always, 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 when at all possible, work in a collaborative way with the school, because there could be times that it gets can be stressful and you cannot feel heard and um, it's just usually best if you can be collaborative as for as long as possible.
1: That's great advice. It's also making me have you know one more thing that I would feel remiss if I didn't mention, which is regardless of degrees and expertise, you really are the expert in your child and don't doubt your instincts and what you're seeing. And, um, you know, a lot of this jargon and language and paperwork is going to be really unfamiliar to you, but you know, don't waver in that, you know, your child, whether this is happening with your three-year-old, your five-year-old or your 15-year-old, you know, I wish someone had told me that you can really rely on, you know, you know, child X, you're the mom or the dad, or, you know, you're there together as the parents and trust that. And, um, you're right about, you know, kind of these higher functioning kids or like you do a lot in your practice, you know, the, the twice exceptional, Mm -hmm. they are such high performers and higher achieving children that they can sort of self modify and accommodate and mask and get by and look like they're doing just fine. But really.
0: With a cost, right? With tremendous cost, yeah. Exactly.
1: So, um, I thought this was a really great, great question. The other thing that you know may or may not be coincidence is every year in our family. Spring was the time for the new IEPs and the yearly review. I don't know, Dan, if that's just yep. a coincidence, but it seems to be that like at this wrap up when the year is as busy and crazy as possible for your children, that's also when you're having the IEP meeting trying to preset goals for the next year. Um, right. So, you know, it's, it's a lot and you can take the time you need, um, you know, Yes in the process. So I mean, thank actually, you.
0: Yeah, wait, I got, yeah. I got to add one more because <laughs> Go I got ahead. one more. This is so good. <laughs> and it's so relevant is the other part of the question was related to, do we switch schools? Do we homeschool? Like, what do we do? And, um, you know, we're at the, you know, two years plus into the pandemic. Um, what the pandemic has done and there is, we did have a podcast with someone at the beginning of the pandemic who had written a book about all the different types of learning environments. And he said at the time, we are now having, this is when everyone was shut down at home, we are now having a full experience of what learning is like outside of a brick and mortar situation, because he's about, he was all about, there are multiple ways to educate kids. And there is this movement now, especially with the pandemic of, you know what, guys, we really have to be creative and realize that the way kids are taught is not doesn't work for everyone and a lot of kids. So I would empower True. you to look at different learning environments depending on the situation, depending on the diagnosis, the the profile, the levels of functioning and concern, how much the environment is able to support and match and if not, absolutely look at alternative learning environments because really in the end of the day, it's not about like where your kid went to school or it's really about who are they as people and how do they feel about themselves. And yes. all too often kids who are struggling really get beaten down in school situations and then now you're dealing with mental health and behavioral issues first let alone actual learning. So we really want our kids to be psychologically and emotionally intact regardless of the learning environment.
1: Yes, and and that that is a great wrap up on, on this question and topic, because parents, there are choices Mm -hmm. and you should feel empowered. And our kids know that. And we saw it even in our own house, how learning remotely was actually better for one of our children and worse for the other. And so it's very individualized. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, this, this is a great question. I'm almost thinking as we're sitting here that we need to do a whole show. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a whole podcast yeah. on this with some experts or even someone kind of talking through things like, you know, what's a neuropsych? Right. People don't know that term if they haven't yep. walked kind of that path. So I'm really thankful to our listener, E, for writing in. And like I said, this just rose to the top of the, the question pile. So moving on to number two. This is a a common, these are all kind of seasonal questions I'm realizing, but um, number two was a DM that we got on Instagram. My student is home from college for the summer. He is responsible and mature, but he is no longer in the habit of doing chores at home. How can I get him back on our family schedule? He basically did not come home this year, and when he did, it was for the holidays. So that's leading me to think how do you take this independent young adult who's been managing really well and integrate back into the, it's your night for the dishwasher. Right. So,
0: right here. So here's what you don't do, right? You don't have them come back and treat them the exact same way and tell them what to do when they've been living on their own, seemingly uh, successfully. And as you say, a responsible individual. So most of the time when college students are coming home you know, it's it's mixed because they're leaving their friends in their new world, but at the same time, they're coming home to the comfort of their home where they get to chill a little bit and not always be on. So we can see how it would be natural, like, all right, here I am, I'm chilling, you guys do all the stuff for me. <laughs> I would say it's really a conversation about, hey, let's just set some expectations since we're gonna be living together and we've never lived together in this way with you already have been out on your own and um, have your own way of doing things. And we've still been living our life here. So it's really like a discussion of you as guide with your young adult child about, hey, let's talk about some expectations. Like obviously, you know, there's bedtime stuff, there's curfew stuff. And what I mean by that is let's get clear on what that is. Because people who go to college generally aren't concerned with what time they go to bed and what time they come home and certainly not telling their parents. And then it is understandable when a parent doesn't want to worry and a parent doesn't want to be woken up several times a night with doors opening and closing. So it's really like, what is our understanding of how we can do this so you can still have your freedom and we can still, um, have our rest and not worry. And, and everyone does that different. So the same thing would be with chores. Like, so hey, we're, we'd like to set up a way that, you know, everyone can pitch, pitch in uh, around the house and here are the things that we have to do and wondering, like, what do you think? How should we handle this? Like, really, when you have this young adult, none of us like to be told what to do. And yes, there are kids, but telling them what to do will just push them away. And so including them in this collaborative process of, hey, here's the agenda items. Let's talk through these and let's figure out how to have a good summer living together.
1: I like that advice. And I, I'm actually going through this, although I have, you know, my daughter. Is yeah,
0: she's home. Incredible. Is she home? Does she make she's it home? home. Yep, yep. She had
1: a great year. Nice. Finished her first year in college. and nice. is, You know, ending on a really positive note and is happy to be back home. For us, you know, we don't know what future summers are going to look like because a lot of kids are, you know, staying where they are or studying abroad or, you know, doing kind of the summer class thing. And when I got this question, Dan, I thought... She's kind of slipped back into some,
0: yeah, of course, of what we
1: need, but I do want to approach her as a young adult who you know essentially has been on her own all year, yes, in a dorm room, but still having to navigate everything from washing sheets and towels to figuring out snacks and when to wash her water bottle, and so um I thought maybe making a list of just like, these are the things that our whole family needs to contribute to. They aren't even particular to you, our daughter, or you, our son. It's just, there's four people in this house. We're all adults. There's a dishwasher. <laughs> you know, there's a fridge. There, there are things that we're all going to contribute to in different ways. And maybe saying, how do you think we should manage this? Yep. You know, and yeah. I'm happy to kind of do the mom thing and make sure there's food and favorite food, and you know, occasionally yeah. do the laundry and stuff. But, but I do think even removing one person from the household and then bringing them back in,
0: yeah, it's like sure. oh,
1: okay, look at all this work, or the house is messier, or
0: yeah. whatever.
1: And um, I think it's yeah, it, it's yeah. about respect and communication.
0: Yeah, our oldest just graduated from college last weekend, and she's moving back in with us Congrats. later this week for like two, two months before she okay. goes to her next thing. And I'm realizing, yeah, we're going to have to have the same conversation. <laughs> this is really oh, so helpful. That makes me feel good. This, <laughs> it? Yeah, this yeah. is really helpful. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's such yeah. good news though. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Happy yeah. family news for Dr. Yeah. Dan, everyone. All right. Question number three. Um, this came also as an email. So thank you all of you that are really paying attention and do you know, podcasts at drdanpeters.com. And it's just a pure delight for Dan and I to see these pop into that special inbox that yes. um, we are monitoring all the time. So this is um very specific question, Dan. My autistic son loves wearing a baseball hat and He wants to wear it constantly, even when it is hot outside. He's just getting into fashion and showing off his style. So how do we help him as parents know he has to sometimes take that hat off? Note, we have not felt comfortable going out to restaurants yet because of COVID. But when we do, we know as parents that it's pretty rude to wear a baseball hat in a restaurant. So what do we do here at home and how, how do we set up the future for success with this hat?
0: Cool. And uh, Laura, I know you're going to have stuff to add to this as well. Um, (laughs) I love this question. It's such a relevant question. um, For those listening who aren't familiar with some of the characteristics of individuals on the spectrum, there tend to be things that give comfort Uh, whether it's repetitive movement or wearing the same shirt that feels good or only wearing certain kinds of pants, a hat every day, little little kids, a a cape. There's just these things that with it feel it's it's, it's soothing and it helps with regulation. And without it, it could be the opposite. It could be very upsetting, very dysregulating, and very challenging emotionally and behaviorally. So first off, I know we're, we're having a child who's clear we don't know the exact age, but they're clearly getting older because they're starting to be aware of so, the so socially what's going on around them in fashion and so when it, I'll just start young, when a kid is young, we recommend letting them keep whatever item or thing or whatever is unique to them, whatever their wonderful quirks are, just to go with it because why not and it keeps them regulated or more regulated. So even though something might seem inappropriate for a situation when the kids are young, we generally go with it. Now, as the kids are getting older, what you have here is an opportunity, A, and B, I still think it's about exercising flexibility. So what I would say is, on the one hand, if your child is now becoming socially aware and into fashion, he will be interested in learning about how the world works and looking around you to see if what you're doing or how you are appearing is matching what some of the other people are doing or not. So it's really a great social skills and social processing exercise to say, okay, let's look around here. And because you love your hat, we have to know there's some places where people don't think hats are acceptable. And I would say at some restaurants, because again, not knowing what part of the country um, this person is in, our society has gotten pretty informal and casual. And I could say out here in California, people wear hats everywhere all the time. I mean, maybe not to a wedding or a, a five star restaurant, and even sometimes there. A lot of times, you, we, everyone is more casual a lot. So I would say if you can let it go, I would let it go, A. B, helping your child look, walk into a restaurant with a hat and prepping them ahead of time. Hey, so wear your hat. And what we'll do is we'll look around together and we'll see if we see any other people with wearing hats. If no one is wearing a hat, what do you think you would want to do? And again, I, it's you don't want to over control and raise anxiety because we know raising anxiety in these situations can definitely ruin dinner. And so you <laughs> want to help. You want to empower your child to make the choice while in a way semi-protecting them and educating them from something that would cause embarrassment. But as I say that, you have to realize also that most of the time it's us parents that are embarrassed, not our kids. So just know that it's, we have to look at our own stuff in this. And I just think really look at this with caution and flexibility. What would you say, Laura?
1: First of all, I'm sitting here slightly speechless because I just, I feel so lucky to constantly be able to learn from you, Dr. Dan. I mean, it's amazing. I know all the listeners know this and I'm slightly biased because I'm the producer, but I'm sitting here thinking I just learned a whole bunch of stuff that I know. Even raising for almost two decades a special needs kid who could certainly be described in ways, um, you know, this this question comes in, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking I have a question before I even comment, yeah. which is how would a hat be? I know it never even occurred to me that it could be like a self-soothing thing Mm -hmm, or comforting mm -hmm. thing. How would a hat, I mean, just, it's like a, I I can get it if it's a blanket or a weighted vest or, you know, I have experience in those areas, but, um, I've never thought of it until
0: right now. Right. I've had clients. Well, first a few things. One is it can be any item of clothing, which, is a repetitive or a type of clothing. It doesn't have to be the same hat every day, okay. for example. Um, it's something that's part of the ritual or the routine. Wow. Okay. The other way, when you think of um, sensory challenges or um, sensory overwhelm, a hat can actually shield someone's eyes. You can look away easier. You feel mm-hmm. more protective. A lot of kids wear hoods where it's seen as socially yeah. inappropriate, but wow. they feel protected and safer when they have a hood on their face. So it's, 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 wow. it could be sensory, but it also could be more of an emotional yeah. um, um, an emotional attachment.
1: It just kind of opens my mind, mm-hmm. you know, because we're, we're sort of dealing with all kinds of kids, you know, even if ours are growing up, you know, relatives or cousins or nieces and nephews. And I'm sort of feeling like, wow, this is enlightening me to mm-hmm. little quirks I see in our Friends or family, and um, it is also making me think. And he'll probably not hear this. So you know, my son sometimes can get very focused on continuing to wear his sunglasses. Yes, exactly. And I just thought, is he trying to look cool? Right. <laughs> but, you know, he is a special needs guy. Right. And I'm thinking, why? You know, I, I, after 19 years, I'm I'm connecting those dots, and it probably yes. has to do with
0: yes. it's
1: making the sensory stimulation, and then like you know, his yes. challenges on the spectrum, and with um, his own special needs, right, uh, that are very specific it maybe dims the room. It maybe makes him feel less assaulted by kind of what's going on around him socially. Yes. And the hat seems to be in that same category. And
0: Yeah, that's a great example because the other thing with that is when you think of eye contact. And so eye contact can be very difficult for someone on the spectrum And, and for people who are anxious and socially anxious. And so to have a little protection outside of the sensory from all that intense eye contact can be soothing. I know that we were at mm-hmm. a big, you know, graduation event this weekend, and um, I don't wear su- sunglasses all the time. But having sunglasses, it actually, I felt like one level of protection from all of the all of the people. There was just it just felt like okay, I have a little, I have a little veil of protection here, right. and I think that's a, a micro version of what these other kids can experience.
1: Yeah. So I, I'm very glad that um, this came in as an email. Um, the initial was "R on it. But it's kind of a learning tool for everyone that just yeah. maybe you know there might be these things as your kiddos are getting older that they're clinging to, and you know maybe we don't have to be as worried about kind of what the outside world thinks as parents. You know they shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing this or shouldn't be doing yeah. that, but rather yeah. letting the, the child dictate. It's also yeah. kind of freedom and maturity and self-expression so. That's great. You're right. We have really good questions this week. So um, no easy way to segue into kind of the end of today's show. Um, A lot of times we'll have a a final question and we kind of wrap up with our normal stuff. But today we really want to end our episode with a very short discussion um, about the tragic and horrific an extremely terrible elementary school shooting that happened yesterday in Texas. That's May twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. I know. I speak for all of us at Parent Footprint when I say I desperately wish that Doctor Dan did not have to keep giving us advice on how to handle this violence, death, and devastating loss. Um, and in fact, for kind of every parent, and probably American, that you know, this continues to happen in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I'm a talker, and I'm I've just been at a loss for words almost yeah. for these last twenty four hours. So we we. Our hearts and prayers, obviously, it's just words, but we go out to everyone. And I was hoping, Dan, you could just remind parents how to help our kids of all Mm -hmm. ages process this, deal with this nightmare, and just, you know, what's the healthy thing to do once again in this situation. Yeah,
0: it's so tragic, and it is hard to find words um, to even talk about this. the yeah, the idea that kids are go to school and are at risk and can die and not only die but be killed by violence is is un, it's unthinkable, and it it happens too much. i I like to think about the the basics in these situations, and one basic in this situation is if you have young kids um, try to shield it for them from this information. I don't find it helpful for young kids to think that this is a possibility. Um, And so we have to be very mindful of what news we're watching and what feeds are coming in and what we're talking about in front of our kids. And even when we think they're not listening, they are listening. Um, As your kids get older I think it's a judgment call. Like as they get a little older, it's a judgment call later elementary school, middle school, of trying to do a little check in to just see how they're doing. And again, I'm only saying to bring it up if you think they've been exposed to it or it's been talked about because you don't want to ignore it, but also you want to tread lightly. Like, hey, just did you hear about any of the news today? And Mm -hmm. just tread lightly because we're all compartmentalizing, um, this information. I compartmentalized it when I heard it yesterday and it wasn't until, um, getting ready to watch the, uh, basketball championship, Golden State Warriors, my team, when Steve Kerr, who is an amazing human being spoke out and said, um, I'm not talking about basketball. And he just went, in a very impassioned just way about what is going on in our, our um, legislature and what needs to change. And like, that's what I like. That's when it got me. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's like, yeah. we're all trying to keep the lid on until we can't keep the lid on. So I'm saying, so with our kids, we don't want to necessarily take the lid off if they're not there, if they're compartmentalizing for the kids that are talking about it, who are aware of it, your older kids, the first thing, to do is validate what a tragedy it is and try to get them to talk instead of you talking to them and about how you're feeling you want to validate their feeling you want to share that you are all like you don't want to put stuff on them but you want them to feel validated and heard and that you know you're impacted as well and then we have to go to percentages like the way to we ha- to reduce fear is you know when we think there's going to be an earthquake we think there we're going to die in a plane crash we're afraid of you know a massive fire all the stuff that's that's happening um a shooting we have to go back to telling them you know these tragedies we hear about them when they happen and they're terrible but we have to remember it's just like a car fatal car crash like the The incidences are, any incidence is too much, but they are minuscule in terms of kids going to school every day and this happening. They're very low. And then finally, depending on the kid, most schools now have drills. You know, I mean, the thing is, the kids know Mm -hmm. about this because the schools and the teachers have drills, which is crazy to think about, but understandable. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like take one step at a time and do your best to get your own emotional overwhelm um, and, and and intense emotions as best you can. Talk them through with a friend, a spouse, a family member, or on your own on a run, a walk, a hike. And so you can be as grounded as possible so your kids don't also have to take on and experience your own big emotions, which are valid in the in the context of this very difficult conversation.
1: I can't add anything to that except to say... Thank you. And um, I may just, you know, obviously these are our special uh, bonus episodes, but maybe what we can do is just pull a few quotes um, to put them on our Instagram. And for anyone listening now, you know, we are here for you for this kind of advice. If you're struggling Mm -hmm. or you, you know, want to go deeper with, you know, talking about this stuff with your kids, you know, this is the place that we want to do that. And we can always figure out ways to answer your questions. If they don't end up on a bonus episode, we can try to address stuff on social media yeah. or recommend articles, but, um, you know, this is one of the things that we feel is our mission to support, you know, parents and families and kids yeah. through all of the stuff that we're navigating in life. So thank you. I yeah. think, um, you know,
0: that's <sighs> yeah. It's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's heavy
1: stuff, but no. we, you know, yeah. uh, we agreed. Yeah. We could yeah. have, I felt like almost skipping today's show in a way. And then I thought, you know what, that's not doing no. We the keep, work and the service that we have to do um, for our community. And we got to
0: keep showing up. Everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And as parents, you guys, um, r- respect for all of you who keep showing up, keep showing up. You kept showing up through the uh, pandemic. You keep showing up to your family, to, to work, um, to friends, to your kids. And um, that's what we have to just try to take everything in the moment and uh, one day at a time.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think particularly at the end of today's episode, um, the question that you always ask about yeah. footprints feels yeah. you know, even more powerful. So I'll let yeah. you wrap us up. Dan. Yeah. Thanks everyone. All right.
0: Thanks everyone. Thanks Laura. Always meaningful. So you all know, cause you're listening, you can subscribe on the Wondery app to hear all our bonus episodes and our podcast ad free. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast, Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. We drop new episodes every Thursday. And man, do we have, we just have great guests, great discussions happening. Follow us at Parent Footprint Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You know, you can email uh, drdanpeters.com. And remember, as Laura said, we're going to close to ask yourself the question I ask myself each day. What footprint do you want to leave? This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Mountain Spring High, composed and performed by Gabriel Lewis. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, at Parent Footprint Podcast, and on Twitter, at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.